Hey, what's up? I'm Joel Madden, and this is Artist Friendly. On this episode, I'll be talking to my friend John O'Callaghan from the Maine. Let's go. Smoking up piff, that's my kind. I don't want no bad times. I don't want to have bad. John. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm stoked to talk to you. Likewise. So to me, the Maine has really kind of written the book for like a modern, think about when you guys started, early 2000s, let's just say. Mm-hmm. In the last 20 years, the industry changed. You guys were... Everyone says like, oh my God, how was it when the, when everything changed and everything went to streaming? I was like, it was, it was bad for bands who were selling CDs in the Mm -hmm. Mm nineties. We came up in that time. Mm -hmm. And so we weren't ready for it, but there was a whole crop of bands that like charged the hill and were born into it. So that's all they know. So all you guys have known, it feels like as a band is an ever-changing, fast-moving music industry landscape type, mm-hmm. you know, where you just have to be resourceful and innovative and do things different. And it feels to me like you guys wrote the book on independent career, like a band that can actually have an independent career where you, you've built this huge fan base. You behave, to me, it's like watching you guys has made me just feel really good about what's possible for bands coming awesome. behind you i appreciate that it. can build a life for themselves and be independent and feel i think very early on we we looked at other bands and you know def- definitely not like emulating their exact maneuvers but like what is it about artists that you look up to like why do you revere these people in such high regards like a band like wilco yeah and and we had the opportunity to just tour their loft by chance um in chicago and that band to us is like the perfect example of like where we'd like to be you know in 20 years or in 30 years and just continuing to create but on your own terms you know and totally i think being intuitive and following that intuition i think is really important i think <clears throat> we turned inward very early Mm. and I think we tried and maybe to a fault you know I think we probably closed ourselves off to a lot of maybe relationships that could have been beneficial and people that could have helped a lot but I think we had to figure out who we were and what principles we stood for early so that that could slowly open the door to like all right now we're willing to you know operate in somebody else's world and let people into our world and not be so closed off to the idea of collaboration. We were at the very tail end. So when our first record came out, I think 2007, they were still selling records, right? Mm -hmm. But it was, uh, I think we were at the very, very end of that. Yeah. And it's been a constant pivot from every platform. You know, we started on MySpace and before we even toured, we were messaging people four hours, five hours a day. Just, hey, check our music out. Hey, if we ever come on tour, come check us out. And, right. And that still kind of remains the same, but it's just a different platform, a different name now. So it's uh, it's ever-evolving for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> we met on that first record, mm-hmm. first your first touring, mm-hmm. your, one of your early tours. 
One of your it first was our first big tour. Okay. Yeah. The first couple tours were just, I mean, DIY, just like yeah. suburban, playing to nobody, seeing people in West Virginia smoke crack outside the venue. Yeah. Like, that kind of vibe. Yeah. You know the vibe. It's weird. <laughs> it just um, gets weird. But that was our, <clears throat> yeah, I remember Chicago was the first show of that soundtrack of your summer tour. Yeah. And we went into it. You know, obviously being huge fans of Good Charlotte, growing up on your music, and um, we went into it. I remember being in the van and being like, "I wonder if we'll like meet anybody." Yeah, <laughs> like not being really familiar up, with tours. Yeah, right? yeah. And I remember we're all sitting in our dressing room, and you and Benj came in and just were like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And I don't even know if any of us spoke. I think we we're just like, "Yeah." I always found you guys to be very thoughtful and quiet. Yeah. But one of my favorite bands after meeting you and then going on to watch you guys over the years, and, and certainly we've run into each other and our bands have run into each other over the years, but watching people from that point where you know it's early and seeing who they become is a thing. You know, it's... Mm -hmm it's really gratifying to see people that you thought were who they are. Mm -hmm. That's who you guys are. You guys have always been thoughtful. To me, it looks very natural. Like it looks like you guys are being who you are. This journey you guys have been on and this thing you've built, it feels right to me. And like Wilco is one of the bands that actually me and Benj talk about with you guys. When we say, what. When we try to predict outcomes for people mm -hmm. when we see the path they're on, because mm -hmm. um, that's a real thing too, is like predicting outcomes is a part of actually a part of life that we, I don't think that we give enough credit to, like we make it more of like, I hope this works. But if we stop and we go, what outcome would we like? Mm -hmm. Can we organize towards that and then adjust as we go? And we can't control, completely control mm -hmm. the outcome, but we can imagine an outcome that we'd like. Only in, <clears throat> excuse me, only in the last few years have we actually vocalized what goals are. And I think that is a really big thing that we were sleeping on for so long because- But we're not taught to do that. No, but also it, yeah, it feels, it can feel unnatural, you know? I don't know a ton about speaking things into existence, but goal setting, vocalizing goal setting helps create that shared synergy you know like that that energy that's put behind a shared vision and i think we have just been kind of going with the the flow for so long and kind of internalizing all those and making gut decisions and, and when you have and a band of multiple people there might be five different visions you know they all might be circling the same kind of you know same general area but yeah i think when you vocalize it and everybody's like oh yeah we that would be amazing to play this venue or that wouldn't be amazing to do this idea i think that's definitely helped us in the past couple of years for sure so me and benj talk about you guys and we 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 name bands like wilco even pearl jam um bands that like have gone their own road and it's a long road. And, and it's a tough road. It's a tough you know? road. <clears throat> but there, it's a culture that you build slowly. We got so lucky with the group of people that follow and dig what we do to have that, you know, f sometimes it was a big group. Sometimes it was a not so big group. 
but there was always a core of people that were like, yeah, we're, we'll follow you down this crazy idea, down this crazy path. And I think we got so fortunate that, that we got that core group yeah. because it, it allowed us to, you have to sometimes very... waver, to sometimes falter and to sometimes succeed. You know, and I think, I mean, there's that old, like, you know, the, the thousand true fan model or whatever that, I don't know who coined it, but it really is a real thing because when we were on MySpace, those first shows didn't have anybody there. But even if there were six people, some of those six people still go to shows 16 years later. Yeah. And they were the ones that were spreading the word and help <coughs> helping the whole thing permeate to bigger groups. And then sometimes when we put out our third record and we were like, total fuck you to the label, that group got small, but it was still pretty concentrated. And I think we just got really, really fortunate. And and, and now you guys, do you guys have your own label? Uh, so we, we have done the past couple of records with Photo Finish. Okay. Uh, so Mike Marquis, yep. who books us. Yep. And again, that was, we'd been so closed off to the idea but to have people in their camp that are familiar with where we come from yeah. made it less scary. Yeah. Made it like, okay, they, they've been, Mike's been around since day one. So yeah. it's, it made it a lot easier than just a, hey, let's go sign a big deal and that be it. Yeah, yeah. Pat and I are, we're dads, so Thanksgiving's a big deal. and Big time. Both of our, our wives are pregnant, so... With number two? Pat will be, this will be his third. Third, okay. And this will be my second. Two's Gnarly. good. Yeah. I have two. And my dad it, keeps saying it's it's man coverage at two, but you you go to zone when you got more than two. So That's it. Yeah. So two, I find with two kids, it's, it's really nice. It's really easy. The yeah. first year you're getting used to it, like you have the baby and then it takes like 12 to 18 months to get like adjusted. Sure. But then once you get through that, it's easy, smooth sailing, man. It's it's such a it's such my a toddler good... right now. It's like it's like legitimately living with an insane person. Yeah, like like well, so much to the point where I'm like I'm scared around like oh, what if you know what do you need like just trying to like yeah. diffuse another like another, outburst. Yeah, ticking. Uh, to oh, God. Toddlers are wild, man. They're they're like coming into the world and just like grabbing everything for sure but Don't. then you miss it it's wild and it's exhausting yeah and then they get they're seven <clears throat> and you're like oh man i miss it. and now what my my kids are teenagers and you kind of you get a little sad you're like for sure oh. i i blanked and she's about to be two and it's oh dude it's crazy you gotta savor every minute every minute of it my my kids are 14 and 15 about to be 16 and um yeah so i would have met I don't even know if I would have met you. We met before I had kids. Yeah. So my first kid was in 2008. So it was right around the time. That was very close to the time. Yeah. yeah. So so Nicole would have been pregnant when we met probably. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe we would have had the first kid around. I think Anyways. you did. I th think you did. You actually definitely did. Because I remember. We had we definitely had the baby on tour. Yeah. Definitely had. Yeah. Uh, Harlow was on the road with us. And then my son came in 2009, you know, it's those first two, three, four, five years of getting your family set up mm -hmm. and figuring out how do we do this mm -hmm. is it's like, it's like, 
I, I always kind of go back to building businesses and building things. It takes like five years mm -hmm. to get your core system down. And, and then after that, it, it, it's like, there was no life before that. Did it's hard to remember. second kid really fuck the system up? No, no, <laughs> it, it actually made it better. Okay. And, and it's cause it's so easy. The four of us just, we can travel. Yeah. We can, you know, a foursome is really good. I'm not saying now. I'm saying the immediate shock of it. Was it like, parenting, I'm just trying to prep here. Dude. <laughs> parenting is, is no matter if you, parenting is, is work. Yeah. Just like anything else. Mm -hmm. This is my perspective. So anyone else that's listening, that's a parent can tell me you're wrong. Um, but this is my philosophy. Mm -hmm. You get out what you put in. Mm -hmm. It's hard, but you just got to figure it out mm -hmm. with each little challenge that comes. This kid has this or that kid's doing that. And and then you have to work with your partner to figure out what works for both of you. So another thing I think we I've been in I've been um, um, married for 13 years this December, but I've been with Nicole for 17 years. And, and people are like, how do you do it? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how we do it. I think it's where there's room for both of us to be right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And we don't pretend that we're this perfect. I'm very careful to try to show the world my family because I think sometimes we show these perfect pictures. Mm -hmm. And like, I know how hard it is to do things like build a family, build a company. So I'm always careful. Like, of course, we want to celebrate the wins. Mm -hmm. We want to show people like, mm -hmm. look, we won this this we celebrate another anniversary or whatever but the truth is is just the whole time you're just working just like the band mm -hmm. you're just figuring it out as you go and you're trying to make gut decisions with a, hopefully a vision of the future mm -hmm. together and i think it's something like what you said talking about what you would like this to become is important for uh, just not only your business or your band, but your marriage or your relationship as well. Mm -hmm. And you gotta have two people participating in that. So I think like with raising kids, you're just kind of figuring it out as you go. It feels like you're spinning all these plates. It always feels like you're like behind the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. You're always kind of tired. <laughs> yeah, I think sure. that's the experience that everyone has. <laughs> yeah. And if you just commit to that, what I now tell new parents is like, even though this is your first kid, mm -hmm. just remember you're not the first people to have a baby. Mm -hmm. No matter what, it's great if you discover a new way to do this. That's great, right? Because I, I also have that experience where all these new parents will be like, this is what we're doing. We've got them on this system. <laughs> when and I'm I, like, when we were having our first, my dad, again, he's, you, you, you know, you buy all the stuff. You got to get the the diaper warm, the, the wipe warmer and all this crap. And he's like, God forbid we don't have the, <clears throat> you know, the diaper warmer. How would the baby ever survive? How has any <laughs> baby, like, how has any baby how has ever any lived? baby in exactly. the history of babies survived without that the, was definitely a comforting thing, you know, where it's like, you gotta remember that. Yeah. And old guys, we say that we're, yeah. we're like, Oh, like, trust me, like, Babies were being born in mangers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Your yeah. baby's fine. Yeah, and um, it's just funny. I, I and I'm not being sacrilegious. I, I just say I I say things like that because it's like, guys, the baby has been going on for a while. The baby's okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, if you take the weight out of it and you just go, but 
but you do get what you what you mm-hmm. put in, you get out. Mm-hmm. So especially men, we have a tendency to want to disconnect, run, detach from things that we don't understand or things that feel, you know, uh, uncomfortable or unnatural or whatever. And I always say like, try to stick in there where you get uncomfortable and like sit in the discomfort as long as you can and gain some resilience. I mean, but isn't that, I mean, not to like tie it back into the music thing, but isn't that, or just any venture that you're on, that's kind of the place of most growth right like that's where you uncomfortable yeah i mean there's that great i think it's david bowie quote but it's like he always wanted to wade out into the water and that feeling of not being able to touch right when you get off the shore to not being able to touch the ground anymore that's where he always wanted to be and i think that's such a vivid kind of picture of of how growth happens you know I totally agree. I think that most people, when you go into uncharted territory for yourself, um, you want some comfort and reassurance, but that doesn't exist there. Mm -hmm. The only comfort and reassurance I can give to someone that's starting anything or building anything is like, if it feels like you're threading the needle and you're just keeping your head above water, that means you're doing it Mm -hmm. because that's what it feels like the whole time. And I think we even just like in our businesses and lives, um, we still feel like we have accomplished nothing and we're still keeping our head above water because we're pushing forward Mm -hmm. and we keep going into deeper waters. Mm -hmm. And I think that like you just start to get a ton of resilience around that feeling of like, I don't know exactly which move is next, Mm -hmm. but I think I'm going to feel it when it's time and I've just got to keep gaining ground and that's the feeling that probably generally separates whether or not a person continues down a path or not and i think that is probably the the most sound piece of advice that i could offer a a person starting out any venture whether it's a band or a business or anything even a family even a family is just the biggest difference between people is there are people that do and there are people that run. And I think that that's the biggest thing for, for us and our band has been just continuing. Like when just it got keep hard, going forward. It, it got hard, it got shitty. You just have to keep your head down and, and keep plowing. And yeah, that's, uh, I'm scared to have a second kid. Everything that I am today and that I do today is exists because of my family. Mm-hmm. And I say like, I work to support my family habit. So I love what I do. I love my job, mm-hmm. but my family, it's, it's, it's next level. It's my religion. It's mm-hmm. sacred ground for me. Mm-hmm. And good Charlotte, interesting, like was the model for me. Cause I didn't have a state. I didn't have a very like good model for how to build a family. Mm-hmm. So my parents struggled in that department. Um, a lot of good, they both had good qualities, but they definitely w- w- did, didn't have the, the tool set to build a family. Sure. Um, so that f- experiment failed miserably for them. And that was my model because it does feel like when you meet someone, you say, I want to spend my life with you, an experiment. Mm-hmm. And we add the wrong things into the experiment. It blows up. Mm-hmm. But if you add the right things, it can be this really good thing. Um, 
but I'll meet younger couples that are starting down that road and they'll get into that first year of marriage or second year of marriage, first kid. And they'll be like, this is really tough. I don't know if we can do it. That's how all of us feel when we're climbing a mountain. Absolutely. Can, this is tough. Can I do it? Mm -hmm. Everyone's asked themselves that question mm -hmm. and I don't care who you are. So you got to remember that every time anyone's gone down this, uh, climbed this mountain before mm -hmm. they said, wow, this is really tough. It's steep. Can I do it? Mm -hmm. And the ones who did it kept going. So I, I always say like, you just got to keep doing it. I, it sounds like such a platitude, yeah. like the just do it. But it's like, as you get older, these platitudes just start making more sense. And it's like, well, yeah, no shit. That's why that person's been saying that for. <laughs> and even if you think this thing you guys are dealing with is a big thing, mm -hmm. it will be a small thing further up the mountain, mm -hmm. right? And so you got to keep climbing together. You got to make room for each other and got to have grace with each other. Um, I've been lucky. I have a partner who's very gracious. Like she just never met anyone like her who can just not judge. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, once she's decided she likes you, she likes you. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been a big deal for me. I've learned a lot from that because I used to be a little I, like, and I think that was my own insecurity. It was like too harsh. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you do that? And it's more, it's not personal. A lot of times when people make mistakes, it's not personal. Mm -hmm. They made a mistake on their own. Um, they're dealing with their own shit. Now you both have to want to grow, improve, get better as people individually and together. But like I always tell new married couples, people in relationships and anywhere in the first 10 years, like by year 10, you will have figured out a bunch of shit and you'll, you'll never have to figure it out again. Mm -hmm. And you can build a really powerful thing mm -hmm. that powers the rest of your life. Cause I really believe that like this, this second version of our career where we've been doing things that we think are interesting is powered by great family, by mm -hmm. wives who support us. We can go home on a bad day and shut it off mm -hmm. and recharge. And it gives us that energy to go in the next day and keep going forward. Totally. And if we didn't have that, I think we wouldn't have the ability to kind of navigate new waters mm -hmm. and build these these things we're building so family to me is like super powerful for your own success absolutely especially having somebody that supports a lifestyle that's not as routine not conventional not yeah not conventional yeah being away is tough you know but being supported by somebody that understands now is the main is it wives and kids now backstage is it like a yeah, family function it's definitely it's definitely changing that's cool yeah that's good it's good vibe absolutely it's yeah. uh yeah it's not rowdy rowdy is like we got pineapple on our pizza yeah you know? yeah that's wild <laughs> wild so it for me i love it i ordered pizza the other day and i was like you know what i'm just gonna get a slice of hawaiian <laughs> I don't know why I was listening I'm to like crazy. A, I was yeah, I was listening to a podcast or something. And, I might even go get a milkshake. And I don't know. I I took a couple bites of the Hawaiian <laughs> slice and I got right back to my uh my staple pizza is half cheese, half pepperoni and mushroom. All right. I feel I like in our camp it's like let's everybody says let's get pepperoni and then we, we get a cheese and it's demolished. You always have to get a cheese because it will yeah. be gone. Everyone always thinks they want toppings and then they see the cheese and they're like, God, a good slice of cheese pizza. Is oh, just yeah. Good. I think on the last tour, I think we got 
pizza literally every single night. <laughs> Do you guys eat, is anyone else here a big Hawaiian pizza guy? Oh, mix it up. The salty sweet. Salty sweet. Every yeah. now and then. Yeah. They have pineapple wrapped in bacon at night. Oh, dang. Oh. I See, know. I'm not really, yeah. I, I, I'm fine with the pineapple. I'm not a ham guy. Ham but I, I could, I could vibe bacon. the bacon wrap. Bacon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. all right. He's getting spicy, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's coming up on 20 years yeah. for you guys as a band if it hasn't already hit. Yeah, well, it's 16 right now. 17 will be January. Yep. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, speaking of like vocalizing goals and, you know, that's the next we got to figure out because just like it's really easy to get wrapped up in the moment. Yeah. You know? And it's really, really difficult sometimes to see a couple years down the road, but that's a that's the next big milestone for us. You so. feel like you've done everything you set out to do, or do you feel like do you get down the road and go, oh, we set we didn't set the bar high enough there. Let's keep let's move the bar up. Let's keep going. Like, do you I feel th that? I think kind of like you said, it's really you know maybe to a fault. Sometimes I get too focused on not appreciating things that we have and things that we've accomplished just in hopes to keep going to keep accomplishing new things i'm the same way dude it's like not that i'm not happy it's just like well why aren't you acknowledging that this thing was really awesome you know and even like last night sometimes you know first show it's not that i was bummed out it was an amazing show san diego was sick it was awesome but it was like i had a lot of like i could have done this better i could have done this better and it's kind of that same approach to the band that like i just feel like i need to take a step back sometimes and i think having a kid puts a timeline on things yeah you know you start seeing like oh this is when they were crawling oh that was when i played that show oh this is when they were walking that's when i did that thing and i think that helps put some perspective on things this tour somehow is it'll be our most successful tour in all 16 years that we've been a band yeah, I believe that. But it's it's one of those ones where you're saying like, did we set the bar high enough? Or we're experiencing the bar right now. Like what's gonna come after this? Like what are we, we set ourselves a new precedent? Like what is next? And I think that's the confusing part. And that's like, again, that un uncomfortable zone where it's like, and maybe that's the best place to be. I've know? never gotten comfortable. But I'll tell you this, I think from my experience, because I'm I'm a, I'm ten years ahead of you probably mm -hmm. in life. Um, I'm at least ten years older than you. Um, one, I think you have to separate two things, because I had to learn how to celebrate in moments where something good happened. Because mm -hmm. I was so focused on just, I never stopped thinking about forward, forward, mm -hmm. forward, next, next, next. I think that's a strength. Um, and I don't think we need to change that. Sure. I think you got to kind of embrace that about yourself. We're a bit like athletes in some mm -hmm. ways, but the game we, you know, I, I always thought I wanted to be an athlete. I just wasn't a very good athlete. Um, but I, I loved uh, sports and I loved watching people achieve things. Mm -hmm. look, like, And also watching a guy stand up there and get a trophy or <laughs> to me, it just looked like that's what you want in life. I never got a trophy and I wanted a trophy. You know, and I think that was my own self-esteem thing, but I don't think it's bad that 
we go into everything we do in the creative space, my brain always organizes around, okay, now how do we get this? How do we do this? How do mm -hmm. we go forward, go forward? But learning how to do that and at the same time, not be not wrestle with it mm -hmm. and just know that's just who I am. <clears throat> and then also have a, a, a relationship with my brother where he can go, he can go, okay, not right now. Mm -hmm. Like you can, that's a thought you just keep to yourself right now while the rest of us over here, we celebrate this little milestone mm -hmm. or this thing we achieved, mm -hmm. however big or small it feels to you. Cause I just don't think, I mean, we could get the biggest thing in the world. And, and, and to me, it still just doesn't feel mm -hmm. like that big mm -hmm. because it's not, that's not how I'm measuring like how I feel. For sure. I, I just want to go forward. For sure. It's and hard then, to, and then you get a, a taste of like, oh, that's achievable. And now I'm hungrier, you know? And yeah, it's like, it, and that's the, the insatiable kind of. But that, I learned that. something about it. Mm -hmm. As I talked to my therapist about it. I love my therapist. He's a fucking G. He's just like, you're a gamer. You're playing a game. It's not the size. You could get a big win. You mm -hmm. could get a small win. And you do enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You do kind of like spike the football. Mm -hmm. But then you go right back and you're like, okay, next play. Because mm -hmm. you're like this highly ADD, ADHD, uh, obsessive nicotine, person. Nicotine, caffeine. Caffeine, fiend. nicotine. Go, 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 go. <laughs> and he's like, you just need to learn how to drive. What I've, what I've kind of used the metaphor is because flying the plane is mm -hmm. learning how to fly the plane is like learning when and where mm -hmm. and and becoming super conscious of like the aspects of you and then how to contain certain aspects of you mm -hmm. so that they don't mess things up in certain places. Sure. So when I'm with my kids... I need to turn that off or contain it. That's the tough, that's the tough bit. It is. They don't necessarily, they're not gaming like you are. They, they may want to just do something to express themselves mm -hmm. and they don't care how it scales. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking like the minute they do something like, okay, this is what we could do. We could start a brand. We could do this and you could do that. And that's the thing I've had to learn how to contain because it's a game I like to play. Yeah that not everybody wants to play, mm -hmm. but people can participate in different ways. And I think like learning how to celebrate milestones and take a minute mm -hmm. and be there with the group and not be in my head off dreaming up mm -hmm. some other thing is like an exercise I had to learn how to do. Just like being present with my family was a practice that I had to, it took me 10 years and a lot of work. And mm -hmm. it was really frustrating for my wife a lot of times because I was always thinking, off in la la land about mm -hmm. the next adventure um instead of just being there being present and i think we have to learn how to love ourselves completely in what we are and the quirks we have and the things we have and then learn how to organize them all mm -hmm. you know what i mean totally but family they teach you that like yeah, that to I, was me gonna, is, I was gonna say having a dynamic around you whether it's your your immediate family or your you know, your family on the road or whoever it is. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's got to be a testament why you guys are still around and it's got to be a testament why we're still around. No doubt. And family. And that's a really difficult thing to articulate to somebody who asks like, well, why is Good Charlotte still around as a band? Couldn't even explain. That's what I'm saying. And, and I think first and foremost, you just got to be, be able to be yourself around that unit and enjoy each other's company. You know, I think that's a big thing. You gotta thing love each is, other. Yeah. Cause you see bands that are still together 
But you can tell. But you kind of go like, mm-hmm. it just feels like they're phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't look fun. The Eagles. Yeah, I'm you're like, <laughs> let's get together and do a big tour and like make a bunch of money. Yeah. Oh, that's tempting for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Right? But um, Creed. Uh, yeah, like, like <laughs> it's know. true. I don't know. I couldn't give you a good example, but I've seen it before and I'm not, it's it's on the tip of my tongue where I've seen a band and I'd be like, man, that, that they literally all just stepped on stage and are just getting through this. I mean, it's very difficult to live. I mean, we have now, as of today, we have 13 people on our bus. It's very difficult to live on top of each other that close proximity to somebody and not go to you know blows at some point but just like a marriage you got to have grace with absolutely. each other absolutely and fortunately i mean with your camp back when we first met you with gary and and all that crew, gary you know, gary fair and check i mean it's like i just saw him did you he came out we did the the vegas show oh that's amazing and uh, he came, we, we got uh, the whole crew together we got mark the our tour manager yeah, mark yeah. holloway yeah uh gary fair and check a bunch of people came out i mean we had a big crew there we had a, we we brought the whole gc machine back that's amazing. as far as like production pyro so we had a big crew and it was such a nice like family reunion. I mean, for you all guys us. taught us so much about that by just operating the way you did and employing the people around you that you did. And that we took a page completely out of your book. And well, they taught us to surrounded too. ourselves with quality people, people that you trust their character. You trust them. <clears throat> they as, raised us. Absolutely. What I learned from the good people in the early years of my career and in my formative kind of mm-hmm. adult years, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I was a late bloomer. I think I was really unevolved and unkind of conscious mm-hmm. until my mid twenties, probably. I think that's when I started going like, "Oh, I'm an adult," mm-hmm. you know. Um, what I learned from those guys that I definitely try to carry, and I think I have now, is, is I don't think we give enough credit to values. Mm-hmm. How many people stop and go, what are my values? Like, what are the key values that I think are the most important to the core of who I am and what I do? Mm-hmm. Can I establish up on the wall at MDDN, we have our values, like our core values. Mm-hmm. I think if you actually take the time to sit down as a group and go like, what are our values? I think I learned that from those guys that were the adults in the room when we were touring and then i think now i look at if our values align when i'm going to do anything with anyone i try to establish like do my values line up with theirs and not from a perspective of i'm better than them or they're better than me more just will this work based because i think also with family i actually believe that my touring crew and band when i say good charlotte we grew up together from high school. I actually believe that they gave me the value system and the model mm-hmm. to actually have a f- wife and kids and be 17 years into it and go, oh, I I actually have a family. Mm-hmm. That was the model. And then what the family taught me was values. So I think that you start to become more and more conscious of like, this is in line with who we are and what we do, and this is not. So yes and no is super, you get there really quick, mm-hmm. you're not confused, mm-hmm. and you tend to be more productive when you're making the right calls 
and and I think values are more important than almost like the perceived result sure. of something. Mm -hmm. And those touring days, those early touring days, and those guys, Gary, Mark, all the guys mm -hmm. around were really, they really nurtured like good values. Mm -hmm. And there were certainly people around too that didn't, that nurtured bad values as well. Mm -hmm. And those people kind of just like found their way out. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Because when you really do hold the value like paramount to everything, it really like clarifies mm -hmm. lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing I had to learn how to do was actually, like you said, say the, the our idea of our of our our vision, our goal, or the result we'd like. Um, the same way you have to say that, you also have to like define your values and kind of like figure out like at the core, like what do you value the most? Mm -hmm. Because you can also, it's not, I'm not saying like all values are like honesty and, and, yeah, yeah. and, and, you know, I think there's also just a, a natural gravitational thing that happens. Yeah. Right. Like it's like when you're younger and your parents are like, don't hang out with the bad kids, you know, sometimes you hang out with the bad kids and you figure out whether or not you like the bad stuff. Or yeah. Not. Birds of a feather flock together. But, where you're like, but, yeah, they do. But also you want to fly in a couple of different flocks sometimes. I think see. the older that I get, it, the more I realize like, uh, and especially having a family, I just want to be very intentional with my time. You know, I think yeah. time is the most valuable thing we have to share. And I think intention is really, really important. And I think having the intention of like, I'm going to spend time with this person because I think subconsciously you're, you're not really thinking, I mean, maybe you are, but I don't think I'm really thinking like out loud, like the values that this person has. I'm just, you know, I think I'm just gravitating towards character and towards those values and choosing yeah. to spend time with those people as opposed to, in my opinion, wasting time with, with, I guess, energies that, that, don't really provide yeah that's just feel mm -hmm. and good instincts mm -hmm. like it goes back to the main you guys have good instincts you know who you are it seems like that and you make main decisions that's what it feels like when you watch from the outside it doesn't feel like you're being pulled even and if you don't know even if we haven't known who we were we were fully in on whatever it was yeah. that we were doing you guys I think you just got it Dude, you, you guys are dope. Do that. Thank you. I, I it's one of the bands I've been the happiest to watch. That's awesome. Uh, we've always had a great. We've always our bands have always had a great relationship with each other. Um, it feels like true, warm support. Mm -hmm. There's zero in the middle that isn't just all. You know, it's weird because you you know that like it's hard to sometimes relate to bands like they're all these diff they're just different organisms and we're all just like kids mm -hmm. at a party together mm -hmm. it feels like i think sometimes and so you're kind of like uh i think like then there's those those relationships that just feel like pure mm -hmm. and that's how it's felt from the day we met you guys on that tour for the rest of time it's just felt like nothing but warm love support yeah likewise happy for you it's interesting because over the years too like you interact here and there where you're like we're doing something and we'll be like hey do you guys want to do this or you guys have always supported everything we've done 
down to coming on this podcast. You've always supported every endeavor we've ever had any which way you could, whether it was coming on a tour or just supporting by wishing us well. Like there's a real, there's a real pure, like. I think it's always because we've looked up to you guys as one of those Wilco blueprints, right? And I think I had. That's a compliment. I had an, a, a sort of a, one of those revelatory thoughts when we first started touring, like the very first tour that we went on. And it was sort of like a, a more of a, a an idea of like, all right, we're from Phoenix, Arizona, and it's just, you know, s- seven, eight dudes in a van. And, you know, you meet these other bands that are from different parts of the U.S., sometimes different parts of the world. And it blew my mind to think like you found these like kindred spirits and could connect almost like that immediacy. Like I just thought it was so amazing and so like I I don't know the last time I saw you, but it doesn't feel like a, it was that long ago. It's you know? been and a long time, kind of, but it doesn't feel you long. Pick right back. You don't up, age either, and it's really bizarre. You yeah, know, it's and that's bizarre. kind of a beautiful thing. And yeah. it's really wild. You know, and I I think. That's how all my friends are. We could not see each other for two years. When we get back together, it's like no time has passed mm-hmm. because I don't feel we're not beholden to each other. Mm-hmm. You don't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. And so when you when we're in the room together, there is no question of why haven't we seen each other sooner? Totally. You guys are one of those bands, man. And I think it has a lot to do with your own self-confidence to be yourself. It's it's interesting. The main is unique to itself. But you think about Wilco, unique to themselves. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam, unique to themselves. They make decisions that they make. That's very unapologetic. And I think that's something that you guys had a real, uh, it felt from the outside, you had a real conviction of like, ah, oh, this is what we're doing. I mean, uh, I th- it influenced us for sure. I appreciate it. I think we were forced sort of, we were shoved around pretty early that it was, you know, our second record was on Warner and then within the first five weeks or something of the release, it was like a whole different team and they had already moved on to pushing Green Day's record and it was like, well, we're not. It's a valuable lesson to learn early. It, it, yeah, it was tough, you know, because you recorded to all these meetings and we have these big dreams and big hopes for you and then reality sets in and it's like no one's coming back for you no so i think we had to abandon the idea of like using somebody else as a crutch or as like i think we just got really really hardened early and then i think a lot of maybe our peers along the way could have misinterpreted that for like a pretentiousness or a a maybe we were too self-confident but i think we were always just like we loved it we just wanted to fight for ourselves you know and i think we didn't really do a lot of second guessing for better or worse you know it was like we want to go record to tape and that could sound pretentious especially at the time that we did it on our fourth record and it's like what we took from that experience was so important that was like the moment that i i thought that we were finally a band you know Mm. um just something you needed to do yeah and i think we've always just done those things and it's it's always you know it's funny because it's like it's it's like haircuts 
And it's like, when you were young, whatever haircut you were rocking, you were rocking. You yeah. know, you were fully in, yeah. you know, bowl right across or whatever it was, buzz cut, whatever. And then you can look back and you can go, I fully loved that. You know, I yeah. believed in that. That was my haircut. That was yeah. my vibe. And I think it's really easy to look back and be like, that was silly. But it wasn't silly at the time. No. And I think every step of the way we've been fully and it got you here. We've been fully in, you know. Yeah. And it got you here. Isn't it funny though that the moment one of the moments that you could perceive as um the worst moment of your career, you could say like to speaking of bands, right? Like a the the label drops you, mm -hmm. right? They always say drops. Mm -hmm. That's not actually accurate. We've come to a, a juncture yeah. that we no longer want to invest yeah. and we're parting ways, mm -hmm. right? So they use the word drop in a very kind of like disrespectful way, I find that like just is not true to business. Mm -hmm. Businesses, we're parting ways, mm -hmm. right? And in relationships, we're parting ways. Mm -hmm. we, we don't see a future together, right? Period. Mm -hmm. But you could say one of those moments, like that album comes out, within five weeks it's a new team and they've moved on this is the worst moment of our career right actually probably one of the most important moments of your career oh, for sure. and had it not happened you wouldn't be who you are a thousand percent and you wouldn't have learned the truth of life which is no one's coming back to save you mm -hmm. you know what yes feels like because when you play that show in san diego it's a yes mm -hmm. you guys are met with yeses most of the time now because i think you've just become this unique thing that a bunch of people agree on that's awesome but it's all the years it's taken and you can feel those years in your music that's also the other question is is like what are what does this become in in when we're older like good charlotte i always wondered like what does good charlotte become and then we play this show and i and i realized like oh we became us mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what that is how to explain yeah. good charlotte to people mm -hmm. but we're a band we've been together since high school we love each other and uh, when we go out there, whether it's one show or 10 shows, uh, we care about it mm -hmm. and we put on the best show we can. And we love this thing more than we ever have. Mm -hmm. I think we're the most protective of it now than we've ever been in our life. And it's, it's, it, it's special. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you what the legacy of Good Charlotte will be. I don't even know. But I know I love it. Mm -hmm. And I know the band, we all... We all when we have these conversations about, are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Everybody's just thinking of how it makes us feel. What do you think the next 10 years of the main looks like? I think similar to what you're saying is like, I don't really know about legacy. <clears throat> as far as who the band is, I know that we've tried to maintain good character over the entirety of, of our band. I can guarantee that um we've been the the best people we've could have been you guys are good guys thanks you guys are too. you're a non-toxic band but i just think it everything else is out of our hands you know as long as we're still abiding by those those not rules but just the the idea that we're all in you yeah. know as long as we do that we can i don't know we could dissipate in a couple of years. I don't even know. I, I think we've 
already exceeded where we thought this thing would go. So everything else is just kind of cream right now. What album number are you guys on? This is nine. Wow. <laughs> I think you got, I think it's you, a lot of albums. I think you, I think that's more than, than us. We just fell into that. Like it was a very cyclical thing. It was like two years. All right. Another album, two years, another album. And it's just the balance. I love, love, love making records. Like I love being in the studio. Not to say I don't love being on the road, but I definitely love the studio more. Yeah. There's just something about making stuff, making things Yeah, that just, it's addictive, you know? Yeah. So hopefully 10 years, we're still able to do that. I, I guess that will. would be the, that would be like the, the ideal outcome. We're still able to make records. People still give a hoot and we're still able to play shows. What's a version of what, like, what are the things that could keep you guys own your own studio? Mm -hmm. What, what could stop you from ever making records? I mean, nothing because at this point I know that I'll still make music regardless of yeah. if people listen to it or not. Yeah. Um, so that's amazing to know. Yeah. As like, even if I go become a CPA or something, I can still make records or and even yeah like maybe my kids will listen to them or something you know and maybe they'll um, be making records yeah other than that i don't know i think yeah i think like being around bands like you guys like there's a video on youtube of you you guys playing rock'em ring yeah and it's like 100 and like i don't yeah 20,000 120,000 people yeah. crazy amount but to see a band like y'all achieve something like that those are the things that are embedded in our subconscious. Like, hey, these things are achievable. They you are. Know? And I think those are the things that will keep us hungry over the next 10 years. And it's not blowing smoke. It's just, it's an amazing thing that you guys have been able to build and accomplish. It's funny though, because when you're doing it. You don't think about you it. You don't think about yeah. it. You're just showing up. Germany was, is in, it was an interesting market. It was really good. It's a really big, good Charlotte. Like, and it's such a big mm -hmm. place. You could tour Germany for a month and do all these college towns you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot of that touring there. But then you kind of, it culminates to this moment where you're, we, we've done that festival a few times. Mm -hmm. And it, it culminates to one of those big moments that's caught on, you know, film. Mm -hmm. And then you see it. And I still, it's definitely one of those ones where like at the time, I didn't even really know what Comprehend. we were stepping out on yeah. stage to. I mean, but how could you? And also, what does that look like when you're, <laughs> do you even see the back of the crowd? Yeah. And, and like, but when we were young, was interesting, was very similar. It was like 90,000 people watching. And I'd argue one of our, in 2023, one of our biggest kind of audiences that were there knew all the words. Mm -hmm. I mean, Germany was, was that too. So that would definitely be a show that I would put on the list of like best shows that you've ever played where you where it was like a big audience that knew your music mm -hmm. and were singing every word to all the songs. When we were young was another one of those moments where afterwards someone showed me the drone footage of, of the crowd, the entire crowd, mm -hmm. and you could hear the entire crowd singing the songs. Um, and we didn't know that either mm -hmm. we had no idea how people were going to receive it's been five years uh we thought it'd be a good show yeah yeah obviously we were excited to play it 
lots of friends there. Um, but after the fact, when you watch the tape and you go, oh, wow, that was bigger than I thought. And those are the moments that you can finally like bask in a little bit. You go, that was and cool. You can go, wow. That was cool. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you also realize like music doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you've made music that people have shared mm-hmm. in the moments of their life, right? You're doing that together. Mm-hmm. So you're making a records for the people that are listening to it. And then they're applying that record in different world. places mm-hmm. in their world. Mm-hmm. And you have to give that a few years, especially with organic music. Mm-hmm. It takes root and then a tree grows. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a different meaning. Like... Good Charlotte's music today means something different than it did, you know, 15 years ago. But that's a good thing. And it's, it's, it's evolved thing. into something, yeah. you know. Um, and I think you're, you guys are another one of those bands. You're making these records and a song from that record and a song from that record. They take root and they find their way mm-hmm. like art. It's mm-hmm. like it, it means something to see a Basquiat painting mm-hmm. now than it did. 20 years ago mm-hmm. and it continues to evolve in in the the collective consciousness of like what does this thing mean and i think that so you do have to like wait and see you have to have like a wait and see mm-hmm. approach do you guys manage yourselves uh tim kirch so okay pat's older brother our drummer's right. older brother has been our manager that, since day one okay that makes sense mm-hmm. so it's really almost like a silent member of the band 100 percent, and it's family yeah who would you say is the driving force behind the, um, what's the word, the strategy and execution and operation? I would say with Good Charlotte, it's Bench. Mm-hmm. He just has a mind for it. Uh, he doesn't necessarily want to be out in front. Mm-hmm. I've I took that role on mm-hmm. naturally when we started um, because. He likes to be kind of next to me, but he doesn't necessarily want to go out all the time. And, and But the tip of the spear when it comes to like, let's create a plan and a strategy and let's operate this thing. Uh, he he tends to drive that, the business. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you say? There's always usually one. Yeah, there's always a guy that has a mind for it. Yeah. Who would you say that is? I mean, in the band, it's definitely Pat. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, he... Ever since I've known him, even before, because I've known Tim since sixth grade. Yeah. So Pat is two years behind in school. And even since the moment I met him, he was like, we would be visiting, vacationing in San Diego, and he would go to the library to get internet so that he could look up bands and he could study bands. And, oh my God, did you hear this new My American Heart album? Or did you hear this whatever? And that's always been him, and it's continued to be. I think him and his brother work side by side, mm-hmm. but it's definitely Pat for our band. Right. Um, you know, because Tim has other ventures, but Tim is very main-centric. Yeah, he's um, wo- woven in. It makes a lot of sense to me. I always thought, I I always kind of perceived that that you guys managed yourselves, but that makes sense to me. I mean, essentially I, we do. Like, I, like I knew you're saying, Tim yeah. was involved, but it feels like a family organization. And I always say like, there's people who, and I say this in a good way, because we are, we are those kind. Mm-hmm. We're unmanageable. Mm-hmm. 
I cannot sit at a table and have someone manage me. Yeah. I need to be at the table with them and, and I need to know all the information, good or bad. And then we can collaborate a plan and then execute. And then mm -hmm. I'll go back out and be lead singer mm -hmm. and pretend I don't know what's going on. But yeah. I need I need to feel like I have a seat at the table. I don't want to be managed. Yeah. And I going back to that artist manager relationship, I think some artists it's too painful or scary or it feels validating to not have to look at that mm -hmm. or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Um, I don't think there's a wrong way, but I think there is a lot you can get out of understanding how something operates, even mm -hmm. if you're not operating it. Benj was always that guy. He wanted to know, give me the information. Let's make a plan. Sure. And he wanted to feel respected in that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Tim has been, essentially just a, a real good a partner six, a six member yeah six member. like and that's really what it feels like yeah and it f felt like that even in our friend group back home where it was like he was pseudo manager of like the group of friends that we had and it it's always felt natural and it felt like same reason that that uh you know we we wanted to work with mike marquis is yeah. like he's been there since day one we know that we don't have to explain things to him. We don't have to explain why we don't want to do this or why we want to do this. Um, or in those moments, like, give me the information. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think in the in the pop sense of the world it, where I, I've seen it, some artists will have this big tour idea and they're like, I just want to do that. Mm -hmm. And, okay, let's stop. Let's talk about the cost before. Mm -hmm. And so that we understand, like, we're going to lose money on this tour. That conversation is not actually a hard conversation, but you see sometimes where people are afraid to say the reality mm -hmm. and the reality helps us absolutely plan for everything. And I think that like, we've always just wanted the reality of the mm -hmm. situation so we can make a, a decision in relationship to reality, Based on that, yeah. not in relationship to a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference in sometimes I see in artists. Sometimes I see that from the outside perspective, mm -hmm. right? I may not know all of the facts. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've, I'm open to being wrong in, in, in some ways. But I think dealing in reality while you build a fantasy type brand mm -hmm. um, is important. And I, again, like it's just one of those features I think I've noticed about you guys. It feels like you have your heads on and you're grounded and you're making really smart decisions. Thank you. I think we've just always respected you guys. Likewise. Run a good run a good shop. Likewise. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for showing me this place. Oh man, thanks it's for amazing. coming. I'm yeah. so stoked you're here. Likewise. Cool, man. Thank you for having me. Dude, thanks for coming. Fuck yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Artist Friendly. If you really liked it, you can follow, like, subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next time. Bad time.